This program is a proud member of Univaz. Unified, unique, voices. Learn more at univazpods.net. Hello, my name's Patrick, and I'm a Scream Queen. I'm a Scream Queen, and so are you! Again, my beautiful screamers, and welcome to another episode of Scream Queens. It's the podcast where horror gets gay. Tonight, I'm releasing some classic Scream Queens vintage episodes. One of the most popular ones, one of the ones that haven't been available for the public for quite some time. And I'm talking about Agatha Christie's Evil Under the Sun with Trey Dean and Doug Shapiro. But before we do any of that, please allow me to reintroduce myself. My name is Patrick Walsh, and ever since 2010, I've been your guide to the weird and wonderful world of horror movies. But you're going to have to see them through my very, very gay little eyes. You know the drill. Now, I know a lot of you are probably sitting out there going, Patrick, where have you been? We thought you pod faded. Well, a lot has gone on since Thanksgiving. Things have not been good here. There has been a whole tidal wave of bad stuff, but I, which I will address with all of you at some point. But right now, the big obstacle to the show not being here is I've switched to new HIV medicine. Now, if you were following me back in January on social media, you will know there was some difficulty finding one for me for me to switch to. Uh, my old medicine was um, being discontinued. They weren't going to manufacture it anymore. So we had to find one that I would be adaptable to. And it was a hard struggle. There's only a couple that I can switch to. And the one that they put me on, I'm really not doing so well with. I have to give it a few more weeks, but to put it in a nutshell, it wipes me out. All I want to do is sleep. And when I'm not sleeping, all I want to do is shit. Like all day. Not diarrhea, but I just am constantly shitting. It's gross, but here we are. But I don't have a lot of energy to do the show. But I want to at least say, hey, things are at least getting a little bit better. I'm adjusting a bit better, and I want to let you know that I'm not gone. So that's what we're doing here. I've got some shows planned. I've got some things recorded that I want to get out to you. But it's this first step that's the hardest. So I figure I'll give you something cool, something classic, and something fun. And we just cross our fingers and see how things go from here on out. I'm going to say goodbye, and I love you right now because I don't have the energy to record some outro stuff at this time. But just know that I do. I love you very much. And I miss you very much. And the show will go on, damn it, because the show has to go on. But in the meantime, let me bring on Trey Dean, Doug Shapiro, and Hercule Poirot for a little taste of evil under the sun. Oh, uh, I do not think that uh, formal introductions are necessary. Poirot. Hercule Poirot. There are those who have called me the greatest detective of all time, a description with which I find it difficult to quarrel. But even a great detective must at times recharge the little gray cells. And I recently took my vacation on an Adriatic island so remote as to be unknown even to the guide Michelin. I hope you haven't come here to practice your sleuthing games on my guests. They've all got far too many skeletons in their cupboards. Alina is my wife, 
That's all there is to it. Till death do you part? Even in those days, she could always throw her legs up in the air higher than any of us. <laughs> <laughs> and wider. Patrick, aren't you getting a little tired of rowing? Sorry, we late? Patrick insisted upon rowing me right around the island. It's much bigger than you thought, darling. He's absolutely exhausted. Not in the least surprised. Ah! She's been murdered. What the hell do we do now, old gal? Just leave it to me. Do you know what I'm most sick of in this place? What, madame? Pity. I can't bear to be pitied. Oh, my. I'm the last to arrive. I'm sorry, Sir Horace, but it's my duty to put it to you that you were furious. You lost your temper. You strangled her. That is poppycock. That is poppycock. I wish you to consider very carefully a bathing cap, a bath, a bottle, a wristwatch, the diamond, the noonday gun, the breath of the sea, and the height of the cliff. You, 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 you just wait. Stay right, Linda. You tell her to tell him the truth. with Hercule Poirot. Mysteries never last very long. You are skeptical. Well, perhaps you would care to pit your wits against mine. Bonne chance, mes amis. While it might be how Stella got her groove back, it's not how Patrick got his groove back. I'm not taking this trip alone. No siree, Bob. I'm going to be taking one of our favorite listeners of all times. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, may I introduce to you that Texas stud, that barbecue chowing hunk of man himself, Mr. Trey Dean. Hey, Patrick, how you doing? I'm doing very good. How are you doing, I'm baby? Doing good. Good. Full of barbecue. Full of barbecue. Nice and full. I, I can't. Yeah, he just told us that he went. What? What'd you call it? I had a big Texas dinner of homemade barbecue and homemade ribs with barbecue on them. Yeah. So this might get gross all up in here. I hope you have your lobster bibs, which really makes no sense. But you know what I mean. I'm, I'm clean. Everybody, cover yourself with a poncho out there, listeners. We'll wait. Do 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 do, and we're done. But you know. I don't want people to get the wrong idea because, you know, Trey's like a married man and I'm all in a receptacle with with Bradford. Wait, did I say receptacle? Yep, you did. We'll go with that. <laughs> okay. So we need we need a chaperone. So finally, after many, many tries to get him on the show, after promising him to you on the show many, many times, it is my deep, deep very deep pleasure to introduce to you the one, the only, the elusive, the basundo profundo, Mr. Dog Shapiro. Mr. Bates, man, you've got that certain something. 
Mr. Spaceman. You set that music thumping to you, it's easy. That's right. go one, two, three. Does this guy such to make my ass look fat? Yeah, Mr. I think your ass makes your ass look fat. I can't be on the call. I'm too embarrassed. No, what are you talking about? You just lost like a gazillion pounds. You should have seen the dinner I ate. It's all back. Oh, God. You, both of you. Both of you. Great. Great. This is getting off to a classic start. Quick, somebody get me some chili. Who knew cornbread tasted so good of a fax machine? Cornbread? When did I have cornbread? (laughs) (laughs) So, Patrick, is everything tickety-boo? Everything is tickety-boo. Since I got you guys on the call, I want to say happy Pride Month to you both. Hooray for gays. <laughs> so did you guys do anything fun for Pride Month or anything on the agenda since it's not over? I'm being gay. Again? <laughs> well, I, you were that I've been perfecting the craft for ages. You were that last year. <laughs> I'm going to go and have, have a drug overdose just for the fun of. Oh, that's novel. Okay, that's novel. Yeah, yeah. That's novel. Look forward on E. Yeah. Yeah, yeah be, be gay. Uh-huh. You'll be, you'll be upstage by Amanda Burns anyway. I'm going to make sure I have it to beat wherever I go. It, the, no, it's crazy. In, um, in, I'll do that for cash, Doug. It's <laughs> for cash. Yeah, like there, yeah. We have this, Sean and I had this favorite restaurant in, in Chelsea. It was a great Thai place. And you know, it was, it's called Room Service. Delicious, amazing. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The one with the, with the hanging chair in exactly. the window. Exactly. Gorgeous. Which looks like some 70s sex slang to me. But that's, you know, hey, room service is room Look, service. Look, we got to get a man whoever we can. But I, you know, I love that place. So delicious. And then one day they decided, oh, wait, we're in Chelsea. We need music going really loudly so no one can hear each other. Yeah, that the Thai restaurants on Ninth Avenue do like to do that. Right, and as your listeners can tell, I'm obviously a singer, so I had to take care of my voice. Clearly, I can't be shouting during Ex- dinner. Excuse me, I have to protect my instrument. <laughs> and we're back to the sling. <laughs> <laughs> Which well, leads to one. Agatha Christie naturally. <laughs> Not yet, because I haven't told you what I did. You know, I already talked about this in the first part of the show, but I'm just going to, because you're going to have to listen to find out the secrets of what happened here. First of all, um, I went to Queen's Pride, the, the Queen's Pride Parade for the first time. Cool. Mazel tov. It was pretty cool. It was pretty cool. It was, it was, most of it was in Spanish, which was okay. It's fine. But I had some exciting adventures. And I'm going to, I'm going to give them to you in Hercule Poirot style. If you take into consideration... <laughs> An asexual woman, a fistful of lube, and a female condom. <laughs> I think you can figure out what happened by yourself. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, it was a receptive condom. That's how it was. That was how it was proposed to me, and none of it is what you think. Uh huh. Like I said, you'll have to listen to the episode for the great review. <laughs> <laughs> so, did the butler do it, or did the butler get it, or did the butler yeah do it to you? Yeah. Yeah, he did it in the butt. Uh, uh, he said, "Butt." <laughs> <laughs> he said it with, with a British accent. <laughs> we can really get away with any sort of proposal if it's in a British accent. Do you mind exactly. if I snuff your wands? Oh, and it's so nicely, of course. I beg your pardon. Snuff your wands even mean, but it sounds dirty. It sounds dirty. dirty. It's probably something stupid. It probably means elevator. Everything in British means elevator. I don't know if you knew that. <laughs> Boot. <laughs> okay. Is that what they're saying in Downton Abbey? I'm mortified. Elevator, elevator, elevator. We elevator. Know, at least we're talking about British, so that's a little bit closer to the topic at hand. 
<laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. Yes, for those of you, well, no, for all of you listening out there, I just want you to know, this is the second time we're doing this review. We spent an hour and 20 minutes with an additional guest last time, and it was a carnival of craziness. We were all over the place, but there was comedy genius flying everywhere. But guess who fucked it up? Bradford. Me. Me. Oh, I'd love to pin it on Bradford, but I got to take the rap for this myself. I can't. I, you know that pesky record button looks like it's on sometimes, and sometimes it's just not. So all the, all the comedy gold was lost forever. You know what? I don't think the world was ready for it. I think it. God didn't like it. <laughs> I don't think Linda yeah, liked it. Linda, <laughs> Linda, Linda doesn't like anything. Nobody knows what we're talking about. Hear so, about us from Linda. Oh, so <laughs> Doug. First of all, the reason why I'm finally able to get Doug on the show, aside from his incredibly busy act uh, schedule as an actor and as a savvy representative, which we'll get into later, Doug's afraid of everything. <laughs> I have no aesthetic distance. No, he doesn't. He believes everything he watches. So it was a question of finding something that was not scary. Or not too scary. And since he wasn't available for Hello, Mary Lou. (laughs) He missed a good one. He was not available for two or three other horror comedies. The Fan. I was going to have him watch The Fan with me just because it was Lauren Bacall on Broadway. And I figured that would be a step distance right there. She could be scary, too. Well, she does. She she sang, and that's always terrifying. (laughs) Didn't she win a Tony? She did win a Tony. Her, Kate Hepburn, and Harvey Firestein have all won for music theater Tony. So I'm not afraid of anything anymore. No. No, 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 no. Well, Sondheim always said, I'll cast an actor over a singer any day. And then I look at his cast and say, bullshit. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe some of those early ones with what's her name from Mary Poppins. (laughs) Who am I taking up? Julie Andrews? No, no, no. no. What? The the mother in Mary Poppins. I don't know. Doug, you should know. She was in uh, Little Night Music. Isn't it rich? Oh, good. Uh, Gwen, Gwen, Gwen face. Gwen, Gwen. Gwen. Gwen Stefani. Gwen Stefani, exactly. She's only half going to write. A lot of people don't know that, St- that Stephen Sondheim wrote Hollaback Girl. I thought, I, don't, I, was, I thought her name is Gwenice. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not Googling it now because right now nobody cares. <laughs> I do a little bit. I'm actually Googling it. I was trying to make a joke, and like the joke, like, hit, like the mark for the joke was about four minutes ago, so it's time to move on. Well, let's. That, that Hollywood actress isn't going to strangle herself, you know. Gwyneth <laughs> Johns. <laughs> Maybe she Gwyneth did. John. Wouldn't that be a great? great Thanks, John. Thank you, Trey. Thank you, non-musical theater person. Thank you, person whose job this isn't, who should know these things. <laughs> Thank you, IMDb. Thank you. Thank you, everyone, except Doug and me. <laughs> My husband is so much gayer than me. Like He's the one that knows all the music theater stuff. Uh-huh. Well, those, yeah. He's uh-huh. a financial well, advisor. <laughs> and he knows it better than me. I'm out of his music theater knowledge. <laughs> I hired him for for his vinyls. <laughs> that just sounded weird. Tell me again who's starting a little night music. Tell me again. Can we go to Tyrania now? An old Tyrania. <laughs> okay, so Doug. Yes, dear. And Trey, I'm going to start with you, Doug. Between the two of you, I would like you to summarize the basic oh, plot of... Evil under the sun. Like, what's the setup? What's the murder? And we'll leave it there. Okay. So a bunch of beautiful, glorious people come to uh, 
come to uh, uh, a resort on mm-hmm. the island of Tyrania, run by a woman named Daphne, played by Maggie Smith, who's delicious, um, including Hercule Poirot, who is our, our who is our detective hero, and they all uh, arrive on the island. Um, Hercule Poirot is there because of a um, because of diamond forgery. Do you, is that the correct way to say it? How do you forge a diamond? Well, by, well it, it's paste. Well, fraud. Diamond fraud. A fraudulent diamond. Okay, um, Trey, do you want to explain about the fraudulent diamond? No. I, I fuck you. Screw <laughs> yeah. you, Patrick. Nah. No, that's fine. It's fine. He's hired by an insurance company right. um, because this million-dollar client – there or I don't know, a million-pound client, but that just makes him sound fat. Uh, he was engaged to a Broadway star, this lady Broadway star. He gave her a $100,000 diamond ring, engagement ring. Mm-hmm. And she broke it off, gave him the ring back, and it turns out that ring she gave back to him was paste. Dun, dun, dun. Uh. And they ate it, because that's what you do with paste. <laughs> and a back to elementary school memories. Poor horse. Well, hey. Flat. Well, I'm like, hey, it's a $100,000 paste thing, and whatever. I don't know. I got nothing. But you know what? The name of the insurance company was Trojan Insurance, so I don't, I don't trust them right now. If you have to insure my Trojans. <laughs> Trojans made with diamonds. That hurts. Okay. Oh. <laughs> yes, I remember this now. It was an exfoliating thing. It's like a loofah, but for your vagina. Its name is loofah. It lives in your vagina. Right. Anyway, oh. anyway, back to the island. What's better than a paste <laughs> paste Trojan? That's just gross. That's terrible. Stuck on stuck you. in you. Oh, hey, Sour. I said stuck in you though. So. <laughs> I can't get out. <laughs> Got a feeling from this diamond and this pace that I just can't yeah, get take out. Take a deep breath and relax. I can't get out. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, there they are <laughs> on the island. Um, a cast of lovely characters. and Have, Having traced the, the Broadway actors to this island, that is what brings Hercule Poirot there. Right. And, yes. she's, and she's just a nasty little witch. Gutter snipe, I believe she's referred to as. <laughs> A cow, <laughs> a cow of a person. Anything, but, I, but I believe gutter snipe has the, is my favorite utterance right now. Oh God, gutter that little snipe. gutter snipe because it was your favorite so character. Good. Later, yes. <laughs> all right. So, long story short, after all the characters are right. established and everyone's got a motive, it is the gutter snipe that is found dead on the beach by her um, by her lover, who is not her husband. No, she's so, he's someone else's husband. Exactly. Because <laughs> that that Broadway actress was down with OPP. <laughs> yeah, you know me. You know me. That's right. 1991, folks. <laughs> We're hit. We got it. We're current. We totally are. Now, now, the thing is with I, I, you know, Trey and I know this movie way back because for those of you, I've talked about this before. For those of you who had HBO in the 80s, granted they repeat stuff like crazy now, but back then, sometimes it would only it would go off. At like 10 o'clock, it would come on at 2 in the afternoon and go off at 10. And they would have like two movies, and they'd play them back-to-back for days. This was one of those movies. And of course, being, Cable being a new thing, you watched it every time it was on. Am I right, Trey? Oh, yeah. I saw this probably five times when I was 10, 11 years old. Patrick, confession time. I did, too. I didn't realize until you asked me to watch it again. But yes, I did. Oh, you did? Because that's not what you said last time, Doug. Well, last time I felt bad confessing it, but now, you know, now we've got a thing going. Well, good. I'm glad that recording didn't go out there. Just, like, put your lies out there. for And now no one will ever know. <laughs> no, confession is good for the soul. 
They heard you own up to your lie. Your lie, your lie is what made God struck down that recording. <laughs> I'm just a cold-hearted gutter snipe. <laughs> you are. Look into his eyes. Yeah, that's right. That's where Paul Abdul didn't go with that title. Snipe all and gutters. That's oh, my gosh. We're off to a great start. We have diamond. No, we don't, we're not doing the diamond condoms. We're not doing that anymore. We're there. We're on the island. Now, uh, we are uh, forever. Oh, yeah. So it, I, we, I saw this a bazillion times. And there is a reason why I picked it. For you two, and also for the month of June. Can you guess what that is? This is the gayest thing <laughs> in the world. And the thing is, I saw it so many times as a kid, and I never, I didn't, I just thought it was an Agatha Christie mystery, and I saw it yep. again a few years ago, and I was like, holy shit, this is gayer than Nightmare on Elm Street Part 2. Well, it, it is an Agatha Christie mystery, and it's a great one. It's like it's it's not a it's not a toss off because everything is really really gay. It's just incredibly gay. Roddy McDowell is in it. Yes, Roddy McDowell's in it. You have the feuding between Diana Rigg, gay icon, mm -hmm. Maggie Smith, gay icon, and the thing that really ties it all together is that the soundtrack is all Cole Porter standards. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, as I joked the first time, and I know it really wasn't a joke, that Doug was singing along most of the time. <laughs> I've you under my skin. Maraca, maraca, maraca. Yeah, yes. please put the diamond-coated condom, but ow. <laughs> ow, callback. <laughs> Nicely these done. Are the jokes, it kids. is these very, are the very good. Now, now yes. Trey, what do all these people... In common, uh, what do all these people on the island have in common that makes them collectively super gay? The wardrobe, holy shit, the clothes they wear is incredible. <laughs> okay, good, good. That's what I was going for. But you're absolutely well, and also, right. because, they're just all. Wait, 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 wait. Hold on, you got you went off on a tangent so uh, that I wasn't expecting. Let's do, let's okay. explore that because as I said last time. That when I was watching it, Bradford would pop his head in every now and then, as, as he does, because he can't sit and watch the whole thing, because, you know, he's like that. And, and he just kind of goes, um, why is everybody a drag queen? <laughs> yes. And then later on, he focused on one character and going, are you sure she's not a drag queen? But we'll come back to that later. But no, yeah. Doug. Do you know what I was going well, for? Well, I was thinking the same, along the same lines as Trey because it looked like a giant game of Twister with all those polka dots. <laughs> there were a lot of polka dots. It looked like, you know, like, all, all, like the whole cast was wearing those, th those candies. <laughs> those gross candies that you peel off the paper and they turn your tongue wheels. Oh, weird colors. Um, dots. Candy no, because dots. dots are those things that you throw at people in the movie theater and they hurt. No, 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 not those dots. The uh, candy buttons. I think they're buttons. Candy buttons. Candy buttons. That's my stripper name. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, that's not true. It's Charlie Blow Pops if I go by the farming formula. <laughs> Don't turn my head, Patrick. I'm a married man. <laughs> favorite, favorite, woman's, favorite woman's perfume with your favorite candy. So mine's Charlie Blow Pops. <laughs> and that's you knew your favorite father. perfume just like that. Uh -huh. Well, she isn't there and she's here today and they call her. Charlie. <laughs> Remember that time we were Except talking about Agatha Christie? That was awesome. Well, hold on a second. This is all valid stuff. This is what they don't pay to hear. <laughs> it's like back in the 70s, 
It'd be terrible because like women would be coming up to you and be like, "Excuse me, would you like to smell my Charlie?" And you'd be like, "No, thank I you." I this <laughs> How dare you, madam? But no, what I was going for was the more universal thing because you know James Mason didn't wear any poker dots, but almost everybody on this island is somehow involved with musical theater. Yes. Either they're a producer, they're an actress, they're a Broadway Ronnie, journalist. Well. I'm- Linda. 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 She's maybe a patron one day. She's a. No. I was about about to slam on technicians. No. (laughs) Which is ridiculous because they are gods. They are gods. You'll be singing in the dark for the rest of the day. I was going to say she'd be lucky if she's a stage manager. (laughs) She's the usher in the balcony, like the second balcony for a show that never sells out. Yeah, being that I worship stage managers, I like that much better. Exactly. Exactly. Um, okay, so um, where do we go from here? Hmm. Musical theater. Yep. Yeah. And they all have motives, of course. Yeah. Of course they have motives. Except because every it, other person that works on the island who aren't asked because they're not British or white. Right, right. Because, well, you know what? They're not going to bother, you know, a, a decent British woman, even if she was a gutter st- you know, uh, gutter what was snipe. it? Gutter snipe. Gutter snipe. Wouldn't let you know some native sweat oily you know bohunk from a Greek island come and touch them in their you know neck areas. She wouldn't they, she would have she would have fled that beach on that pedalo right away, <laughs> <laughs> or at least been like, "Where's my margarita, boy? Where's my margarita?" Oh, she'd be like, "Thieves are breathing down her neck. <laughs> Thieves aren't breathing down your neck." Yes, the thing that we all love about Diana Rigg. And we that was a great puppet There's a wonderful connection between this movie because of her, because you could kind of put the plot of the great Muppet Caper over this whole thing if you made it a murder mystery. <laughs> because all this is about her fabulous diamond, not her fabulous baseball diamond, which was stolen from the Mallory Gallery, but still, it's still about a fabulous diamond. Yes. I was oh waiting for this piggy to show up. Oh, if Charles Gordon's three gorgeous henchmen were in this, oh, God, would I love to see them running around the island. Marla, Carla, and Darla. God bless you, Charles. Carla and Darla. I brought the paper oh, towels. She's, she has been strangled with paper towels. Exactly. What are you doing? A very brief cameo. Me too. Peter Ustinoff <laughs> was in both. Which, that's right. Peter Ustinoff is, is Hercules' parrot in this, as he's called in the beginning. <laughs> But that wonderful bird-looking oh, woman. She was delicious. And, and he was also did a very brief cameo. Oh, no, he was British. And then, a very brief cameo in The Great Muppet Caper. And we're and done. We're, <laughs> we're, we're going off and trying. Hey, let's talk about the bitchiness. Yes. Okay, sure, sure, sure. So, like, well, we might as well start at the very core of it. First of all, if you have any doubt while watching this, about who the victim is going to be, you're an yes. idiot. <laughs> put a bullseye on her. You're an idiot. Because, like, the only person who's shocked about the murder when it happens is the victim. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone else was kind of hoping, well, damn, why didn't I think that? The ice in the drinks isn't even disrupted for a moment. No, <laughs> no it's not. Bocce ball still goes on. <laughs> no one seems to care that there's a murderer on them. They're just like, it's just part of the festivities for the weekend. That's standard Agatha Christie, yep. though. Everyone is so blasé about people being murdered all around them. Consider, like like the, you know, the movie you brought up a long time ago, Trey, and then there were yes. none. Yes. 
they're a little bit tense, but for the most part, they're still complaining like, are we really to have code luncheon again? <laughs> well, they're getting picked up one by why on earth did they kill the butler so early? And now I have code lunch. I mean, James Mason is just full out thrilled that he has no motive and could actually be convicted of a crime. He's, he He's just couldn't fighting. be happier. Yes. Well, that's James Mason yes. for you. James Mason makes me laugh. Okay. So Diana Rigg is the root of all evil. Mm-hmm. She. Remember when she said that she broke off that engagement for giving the ring back? She ran... It was on a cruise ship. Right. And she ran off with some swarthy gentleman on the cruise. But now she's showing up at the island several months later with her brand new husband, who's not the swarthy gentleman. However, she's fooling around even before they get there with another married man, with with another married man, the red ferns, the one who can fill out a pair of speedos. He can really fill out a pair of speedos. I didn't even know they had speedos back then. I've never been in love before, and all at once it's here. (laughs) No, because they they, they have, they I can't, what is this guy's name, Colin? Oh, um, Nicholas Clare. Oh, that's right. You said it was Nicholas Cage last time, and we laughed. He was in Excalibur and Lady Chatterley's Lover. So. Oh, so so that's a smut movie. You'd probably like that. Yeah, he's nice. He's nice. (laughs) He can't act his way out of a paper bag, but he didn't need to because he's pretty much well, this, this, three-quarters This movie naked. is so gay. I mean, they got Roddy McDowell all clothed up, and they got the hunky guy with as little clothes as possible. It was perfect. Well, did you really want to see Roddy McDowell in a nope. Speedo? Because it's okay if you do. I don't nope. judge. No, I did not. Everyone loves it. a scantily clad character, man. Yep. But you do, you do get to see Roddy McDowell in a seemingly endless parade of sailor suits, which is magical. Exactly. <laughs> Any possible variation on a sailor suit, he struts across it. It's like it's like the end of Project Runway. <laughs> Project Runway season nine, sailor suits. That's all they do. Yep, and all, all the women wear polka dots. The, the excessive amount of polka Game dots. Game Twister. Excessive. Yes. Sorry, who? Game what? of Twister. Game of Twister, sure. Yeah, Patrick could have said, sure, I sure. wasn't trying to sleep with her. I was just playing Twister on her. There you go. So it was just left hand red. Exactly. I was trying to get that stain off of her dress. Oh, there's another one. Oh, there's another (laughs) one. (laughs) Oh, I can't use my hands anymore. Oh, I'll have to use something else. Yes, and he's he's fooling around with her right in front of his dumb ass wife, Christine Redfern. Who's just dreadful? She's dreadful. She's horrid. She's horrid. She's a horrid woman. But we'll, we'll come back. We're going to go through the characters in a bit. But since Doug introduced, let's talk about the bitchiness. Mm. Let's talk about the bitchiness. Not only is everybody in this movie somehow involved in musical theater, they are all vicious cunts. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but they're vicious cunts in that British kind of way, except for one character. Who's, oh, you mean Linda? <laughs> no. She, yeah, she's a young VC. Yeah. Oh, Myra. I'm talking about Vi- Myra. Oh, Myra. <laughs> Myra. Myra. <laughs> Myra Gardner, who everybody thought, who Bradford thought was the drag queen. But, uh, yeah, so everybody, it's just these wonderful, wonderful cutting remarks that are delivered in that British slash Southern way where they could say, fuck you, I hope you die. And you'll go, oh, thank you. How sweet of you. Yes. Every Everything is just all these smiles that are just way too wide and too tight. All oh, these Little quips spoken through clenched teeth. Yes. Isn't everything wonderful? Yes. Arlene and I, when the course was show together, she always threw her legs oh, in the air higher than any of us. 
And wider. <laughs> but I'm saying, look on her poor husband's face. His little handlebar mustache went woo like that. She had a sudden attack of gold diggery. <laughs> <laughs> yes, so Maggie Smith, the main, the big, main, delicious, most delicious bucket of bitchiness. Mm. Oh, yeah. I have a bucket of bitchiness than a biscuit, please. Is <laughs> <laughs> between Maggie Smith and Diana Rigg. And they are old. They are lifelong rivals. They were both in the chorus together. Yes. Diana Rigg succeeded, succeeded. Maggie Smith did not. However, Maggie Smith, you know, fooled around with the right people. And got herself a summer castle. Uh-huh. And they a really nice two. red perm. What's happened to them? <laughs> Liaisons. A little night music reference. Now you know a little night music? <laughs> We're back there again. <laughs> you didn't know it 20 minutes ago. But anyway. <laughs> so most of the barbs are just zinging between the two of them. And when they're not zinging barbs, they're just trying to upstage each other mm-hmm. constantly. Just at the cocktail party scene. Yes. At every possible way. In outfits. And it's like... It, Trey said that was the big introduction. His, his, her, her new husband does not realize that the two of them know each other. Like, oh, you two know each other. And like, oh, yes, Daphne and I were all chorus girls together. To which Daphne replies what Trey said. Yes. She could throw her legs higher than the, in the air than anyone else and wider. But she said it better than me and with a British accent. Yes, well, Ma- Maggie Smith does everything better than everyone. Yes. So does that. Now, my favorite display of bitchiness is at the first cocktail party. Or is it the second cocktail party? No, it's the first cocktail party. Where they're, sh- they're panning around, and they're showing everyone having their like, voluminous cocktails. They have that person walking around handing cocktails, people who already have cocktails. Mm-hmm. All of them with dirty names. Oh, yes. Well, what are they again? What are they again? Well, I don't remember. I just remember one was called... All three cocktails that were introduced had dirty names, and I thought I thought the buttery nipple, like the blowjob, made that stuff up. But nope, that was going on back then too. We're not quite as witty. We're just not as coarse. And then the best part is when Diana Rigg enters, and she's wearing that sort of well, that sheep diamond condom on her head. No, 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 she's not, no, no. She's wearing like the ultimate polka dot dress. It's a gold dress with ju- big jewels on it, but the jewels are like polka dots. She looks like. Remember Simon? That game Simon? Yes. <laughs> Do you like they start lighting up and you press the buttons to follow the light, which I guess is another way to have sex with her. But you know what? It just was insane. It was it actually does look like the diamond condom. If like, if you could make the diamond condom dress, it was it. Did, did she have a turban on or is that some something? She else? has a turban on. Of course she has a turban on. <laughs> oh, but the way it makes sense, like I said, they're panning around like there's light piano music. La la la. La la la. Everything's nice. And just from off screen, you hear, oh my. I'm the last to arrive. Damn well. Knowing damn well. Like she, she's the last to arrive. <laughs> Maggie Smith. You must be exhausted having to wait to make that That's not what darling. she says. She just walks over, shoves the hors d'oeuvre play in her train and goes, Have a sausage, dear. You must be famished having to wait all that time in your room. <laughs> Have a sausage, dear. <laughs> and isn't the other cocktail party is just as bad because, all right, the other guest that came with Kenneth, the new husband, and we didn't even say her name yet, Elena Marshall, the Broadway actress. Mm-hmm. The beautiful, the foolish, the soon-to-be-deceased Elena Marshall. <laughs> also brings along Kenneth's daughter. Linda. You've heard a lot about Linda already. <laughs> oh, now, Trey, what was it you said about Linda that pretty much summed every, up everything you needed to know about Linda? Oh, she was it was Trey. 
If beige was a person, it would be Linda. <laughs> yes. This, I mean, and you know, granted, I don't know if it's the acting or the choice, but granted, she gets the, she really gets the shit bushel. The shit bushel? <laughs> the shit wag is worth a bitchery. She does. For, I mean, because Diana Rigg is on her constantly. Like, they, it's like they arrive, uh, not even before they get to the island, they, they take this long car ride, which apparently is a nightmare because Diana Rigg's been bitching the whole time. Darling, you do realize that shock is a standard issue on motorized vehicles for the past 30 years. <laughs> but as soon as they get to the dock to take the boat over to the island, she's just bitching at Linda nonstop. Like, <laughs> go carry the luggage. She makes this little girl carry all the luggage, which is voluminous. Voluminous luggage. Oh. And then the luggage gets stolen. She's like, well, go chase them down. She makes an eleven-year-old go on the street. Well, and the best line is when she's introducing her. She's like, "Linda, do stop standing there like a cough drop and say good morning to Mister Poirot." Linda, do stop standing there like a cough drop and say good morning to Monsieur Poirot. So cough funny. drop. Such an awful thing to say. Yeah, Mister Poirot is waiting for the boat as well, and she's like, "I am Mister Hoku Poirot." And she's like. Linda, do stop standing there like a cough drop and say hello to Mr. <laughs> <laughs> She's got the worst page boy. <laughs> page boy haircut. Uh. And the thing is that, like, in the opening credits, it's just... It's like a dramedy with Dropsy. <laughs> right. I didn't even know what that was. I had to go look that up. <laughs> it's a little camel. It's, the- I thought it was, like, you know, one of those comedies. You know, like a show, like, you know, 30-something. Oh, no. That's you know, kind of funny, but not funny enough to be a, com- a sitcom. <laughs> yeah. It's a dramedy, and it's got dropsy, so it can't hold on to uh-huh. things. Wow. Yeah, shut up, Doug. <laughs> um, but on the side note, the woman's name is Glennis Johns, and guess who was also in A Little Night Music, the movie? Diana oh. Rigg. She totally was, yeah. It all goes back to Diana she? Rigg. Yeah. It does all come back to Diana Rigg. This show gets gayer and gayer. She's like okay. the gay man's Kevin Bacon. <laughs> <laughs> Shut your piffle valve, Doug. Please, thank you. But Linda's got this little bitchiness to her that she's very quiet, but her inter- like her internal monologue is just "fuck you." Well, I've never heard of a I'm teenager look- like that. Yeah, I was going to say, I cut her a break. She's eleven years old. Her new stepmother is actually a wicked stepmother. Yeah. She's been dragged to some island where she's the youngest person by hundred and fifty <laughs> years. Oh yeah. Well, she could have been staying at home doing something interesting, like sitting in a room. Yeah. <laughs> Looking out the window. But she just drips with contempt for almost everyone. She does. And you know that other movie? You know, uh, Trey looked her up on the IMDb last time. This actress, Linda, whatever it was. Something Horn. Not Lena Horn. It's not Lena Horn. <laughs> <laughs> She's a really good actress. Whatever Emily Hone. Was. Emily Hone. I was so close. She only did one other movie. And when I looked it up on IMDb, the other movie she did was called Biddies. <laughs> Like old biddies, and I said, perfect. That's totally perfect for Linda. She's an 11 year old biddy. The opening credits is all like, and introducing Emily Hone. Like she's going to be the big sensation when it's more like, I'm the producer's daughter. Wasn't a sensation. <laughs> well, she is, because we'd spend more time talking about her than anyone else. It's true, because she's terrible. She's just so bad. <laughs> she's wretched. <laughs> you deserve everything you get. You should have been the one to die, Linda. And you know what? It's always a Linda. <laughs> There's always a Linda. <laughs> There's something you mentioned last time, Patrick, about how, how, like, if you know someone's name Linda, it can't be good. No. No, the people on the Night Living podcast, like uh, Kelly, no, not Kelly, it's Amy and Andy, have this whole theory that everybody named Linda is just awful. 
They are. That special kind of awful, you know, like the mom jean kind of awful. And <laughs> but, you know, like the pajama jeans and like sexy top and like pajama jeans and like hooker heels. Yeah. At the mall. That's a lens. Isn't what you wore to Pride in Queens? <sighs> no. <laughs> no. I wore sensible flats. <laughs> that lit up when I stepped on them. And a tiara. Naturally. Hello. Of course. I have to make my arrival properly. It's a scream. Um, now, my personal favorite couple, and I know Doug's favorite character, <laughs> is Mr. and Mrs. Gardner. Oh, Myra, Delia Miles. <laughs> Myra and Odell. Odell! Odell. <laughs> Never hear his name said by his wife, but under 140 decibels. Right, yeah. I don't think she says anything under 140 decibels. Yeah. Now... Mr. Gardner, that's James Mason. So he's that old British class and he talks like this and he's very mellow. He's got his bobs and he makes them sound very exotic when he talks about playing with yourself, as he does in this movie. He tells Ronnie McDowell to go play with himself. Excessively. <laughs> Excessively. Anyway, darlings, it must have cost you a pretty bundle closing a hit show like that. Would either of you care to comment on that? Why don't you go and play with yourself? Excessively. Is coarseness a substitute for wit? I ask myself. Whereas Myra is your your typical, you know, Broadway producer's nag, loud Jewish New Yorker wife. The future's wife. are riding on that snake-eyed hussy. <laughs> so it's pretty much just Doug. Yeah. <laughs> right. Or all my relatives. <laughs> yes, or Doug. Because Doug has already claimed that when we do the Fire Island version of this, I will cut anyone that tries to take me away from playing Fire Island. Because, because this island in Tyranny is pretty much like Fire Island. <laughs> this would make a great play redone with all gay men. <laughs> because, be you know, men don't have enough work in theater. <laughs> no, they don't. They don't. Not good work. It was, you know, just never mind. Um, well, anyway, all the, all the little boys on Fire Island are going to be, oh, they're all going to want to play Linda anyway. Everybody's going to be battling to play Please, please. I've cut my hair to a page, boy, just for this role. Welcome to America's Next Top Linda. <laughs> what would the runway be like? You, you showed some emotion. You're gone. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You're walking too elegantly. Think crippled camel. <laughs> too much talent. Sorry. You have to go. I can remember your face. You cannot be. <laughs> You remembered your bathing cap. You must leave. <laughs> and of course, nobody understands any of this. I don't care. <laughs> and you'd have some some drunk go go boy play Patrick. Oh, not me, Patrick. Patrick Redford. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> just, just put him in a speedo and just have him prance around. I was gonna say just have somebody gross, like really gross, like, like some like a Ron Jeremy, like the gay <laughs> <No>. Ron. <laughs> but actually, go go boy would act better than the guy in the movie. Would he? He probably acts faster because he's on speed, yeah. but that's not the point right now. I'm probably straight, you know, just doing it for cash like they all are. Oh, yeah. Just paying my way through, you know, the Barbizon modeling school. <laughs> <laughs> Boys got to eat. I guess so. <laughs> <laughs> and they do. Yeah. So, so they're just – they're pissed off at Diana Rigg because in order to – okay, when she got engaged to that first guy, she left their – brought their current production like it was their biggest hit in years and it had to close when she left so they were they're financially ruined but now they've her. got a new script that they're hoping that she'll take yes yes which leads to that wonderful scene where they're just watching her read the script they're just sitting in the sun she's, she's, the condom, yeah. she's got her big stupid big stupid chinese hat on and she's reading it with her glasses 
<laughs> and they are just like they are like shooting dots over the edge of their lawn chairs. Just like, mm, what's the thing? What's the thing? It's very funny to watch. But um, she doesn't like it. She doesn't even like the title. The title of it is It's Not Right and It's Not Fair. To which she says, sounds like a black man's left leg. <laughs> and they all oh. She's classy. Well, it does. Yep, it's got to kill her. Yeah. <laughs> got to kill her. I mean, she's just the biggest bitch on the island. She's playing with Patrick Redfern right in front of his wife, like splashing okay. in the water, playing all coy. Well, you can forget she's there, too. She's like, if she didn't dress like such a ridiculous, like, what, what, what was that? Okay, when they're, the Redburns are there, Maggie Smith is there, this is towards the beginning of the movie, and Ryan McDowell is there, and they see a boat coming, and, they, and Maggie Smith announces, like, oh, that's probably Elena, and they're all in shock that it's Elena Marshall coming, like, oh, you never told me she was coming, Odell. <laughs> and you see that it's not them, because, as Myra so eloquently points out, she goes, well, if that's Elena... She must be being dressed by Woolworths these days. <laughs> I love the punctuation. She puts on everything. Yes. It's kind of Shatner-esque in its own right. Yes. But, but the amazing thing about her is that she can do that when she's not saying a word. When there's that scene where, uh, he, you know, where James Garner's like, oh, I have no alibi, I have no alibi. And she doesn't say a word. She's just there in that, like, blue and white picnic blanket. Oh, yeah. <laughs> with the polka huge, dots. <laughs> of course, with polka dots, because that's, you know, that's the qualification for getting into the movie. And, you know, and just the big sunglasses, you can see maybe her nose and her mouth. And just she's saying volumes uh-huh. as she's listening. Well, oh. you know what Sylvia Miles is from the old school of Hollywood, and she knows how to give face. Ugh. And that face was stopping a clock in that scene. And I don't mean that she's ugly. I mean, she's not pretty. But that seemed like, you just, yeah, like, I just don't know what you want. And I don't want to make you angry because you're looking about to eat my face. Yes. <laughs> and just her sunglasses. Amazing. And what I love about Myra, too, aside from the fact that she's loud and all of her, I mean, her outfits in particular are slightly more outrageous than everyone else. Yeah. In the cocktail scene, I think she's wearing like a Cruella de Vil sort of black and white. Very Cruella de Vil. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And she gives the bullshit face more than anyone else. Like Diana Rigg like hogs the whole party at one point to sing Yours the You're the Coliseum. You're the top. You're the Louvre Museum. You're the nimble tread of the feet of Fred Astaire. And meanwhile, everybody is glaring daggers at her, except when she's looking at them. And they're like, you're wonderful, you're marvelous. And every time she looks at Myra, like, she's got the biggest, I love you so much, you fucking bitch. She's got all 88 piano keys going in her mouth. Oh, yeah, like, if if, if it got any smile, if uh, the smile got any wider, like, the top of her head might have just flipped off the top. Yeah. Like Canadian in South Park. (laughs) Yep. Is that what they sound like, Doug? <laughs> oh yeah. Okay, that was more like it. That was more like it. I just lost all my notes. Um, well, Myra just—I mean, she just always looks like she just smelled a stale fart. Uh, Odell, did you fart again? <laughs> <laughs> no, but what, what I was going to say, what I love about I'm sorry, with my cousin Myra Hopkins—that's <laughs> what I was about to say. The favorite thing about her, she goes off on these rants, <laughs> and inevitably. Her rant always involves some friend or relative or somebody else's relative, and each one has the most ridiculous, borderline, obscene name. 
that would yeah. ever exist in the real world. But she just spits them out with that punctuation that she has on every syllable. <laughs> and it just makes the magic. I have an idea, but I need to work it out. Well, don't forget about my cousin Hattie Heimenheimer. Well, it took her so long to work out an idea, they finally had to stash her away in the booby hatch. Yeah. Booby hatch. Booby hatch. <laughs> booby hatch. <laughs> Well, my favorite line of hers is she's talking to Odell. Odell, I swear, if you were a man, I would divorce you. <laughs> and, she, and then she starts powdering her face in a dress that's pretty much entirely powder. It was that, that robe was a powder puff, and then she actually powdered her face with the powder. Puff. It was weird. It was it was like a fur. It was like a fur robe, uh, and she powdered her face with it. I'm like, I don't know what just happened. It was a precursor to the modern day powder puff girl. My, my, yes, I've been roll, I've been rolling around in talcum powder <laughs> the past five hours. And then even like her for one of her first lines in the movie, I was saying this other scene, like she's complaining to Maggie Smith about the shower. Oh, you can't expect American plumbing when you're in the Adriatic. I guess not. Well, at least we've got a shower. A cousin of Odell's was at some place in Yugoslavia last year and had to wash in a kind of shack in a field. Isn't that so, Odell? It wasn't my cousin, Myra. It was my aunt. It was your cousin, Thelma Snatchbull. Okay, if you insist, but there were two shacks. One for the guests and one for the staff. It was very stylish. Thelma Snatchbow. <laughs> <laughs> That's like someone that, that Linda would be roommates with in college. <laughs> I think Linda's going to grow up wearing sensible shoes. <laughs> I don't know. She'll probably be like the asexual I met at the parade, which you don't know about. So that's okay. Never mind. Okay. Moving on. Moving on. Um, yeah, we've talked about Christine Redfern. I hate her. I hate her. We're supposed to feel sorry for this character because, oh, she's the poor pitied wife and her husband's running around half naked with his dick, with, his, with the three quarters of his ass hanging out mm-hmm. for 95% of the movie. A gift given to us by the director. Like even in, Thank you. Like even in scenes not on the beach, like in the middle of a cocktail party. <laughs> <laughs> testicles by a speedo. <laughs> He's still sitting there in a speedo. <laughs> with his testicles on a plate. <laughs> <laughs> But, but she wears enough clothes for the two of them. a sausage deer line. Sorry, Trey. <laughs> she wears enough clothes for the two of them. Yeah, she's always wearing these huge, like, voluminous, like, caftan plus. Like, she went to caftan plus and bought everything. <laughs> <laughs> and she's wearing it all at once because she couldn't have. It's like Honey Mahogany on RuPaul's Drag Race. <laughs> honey Mahogany. No, 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 no. If she wore all of Honey Mahogany's stuff at once. Plus a turban. Plus, <laughs> she's ugly and gets your tooth fixed. She can't do anything. You know, she's she's the one who. Well, plus she is not allowed to do anything. She's the one who has to unpack and carry all the luggage, and she's complaining all the time. She complains a lot, plus because she's clearly being cheated on, and she can't go out in the sun because she blisters and looks like an Italian ice cream. Too fucking bad. Yeah, another no one. Fabulous hats for the most of the movie. Yeah. What? What? No fabulous hats. No ugly turbans. Ugly turban, except for one that's coming later. But well, and, but then, of course, it you know, it's like the one scene where Linda and Christine are suddenly suddenly have a bit of life. They're like, oh, do you want to go sketching with me? Oh, I'd love to. I'm like, they go sketching at Gulf they like something. <laughs> suddenly they both like something. Clearly something's up. <laughs> Doll and dollar. Because no, nobody. Oh, no. Both of them are happy. Someone's nope. going to die. Specifically <laughs> ask Linda to go anywhere. I was like, oh, who should go with me? And uh, uh, Linda. Unless there's ulterior motives to boss be fun. <laughs> Linda must be so much fun. <laughs> I want to sketch her floating face down in the water. 
Obviously, you know, if I was going to go anywhere, who would I go with? Lynn <laughs> Thank you. At least Patrick has a sense to go bo- to go battle boating with Myra Gardner before he discovers the body. <laughs> oh, she forces that on him now. I know, and it's so good. Yeah. Well, yeah. But yeah, she's got all these problems, and you know, the worst thing, and the thing that makes me hate her even most Patrick now, Christine. Christine. She suffers from vertigo. <laughs> Can't bear to look down from a height. And the reason this makes me angry, boys, you know this already, but act like you don't. I've been suffering from vertigo for the past month now. Mm-hmm. And it's really not fun. The way she depicted it, that's dizzy. Vertigo actually hurts. Because it's like your eyes and your brain trying to do two different things. And every time I have an attack, Every time I'll be sitting there on the floor, which is what you're supposed to do, I'll be sitting there on the floor, and I hear her stupid ass gap tooth voice going, oh, I'm sorry, Mr. Poirot, but I suffer from vertigo. I can't bear to look down from a height. Yeah, well, why don't you get your tooth fixed? Maybe that will balance your head out. Yeah, no, this should have made it more realistic. It's like, ow, motherfucker. Oh, Hercules. Yeah, I'm like, maybe you're dizzy because you're wearing 85 layers of clothing in Greek heat, perhaps. And when she suffers from vertigo, she full on swoons. I mean, she's just like, yes, catch yes. me. When she's crying in the garden, like, Doug, I'm sure you read her body. Land. I was it's like, woo, and land is awesome. <laughs> and jazz hands. Yes. <laughs> but she's sitting in the garden when Mr. Poirot finds her crying. And her body, she's got the little hanky, and she's like, sniff, sniff. And she's actually got her feet wide apart, but her knees together. In, like, classic Body Language 101, I'm pathetic. Yep. <laughs> I have no self-esteem. I'm like, fuck you. I hate you. I don't care. You deserve it. Why did he marry you? You guys have nothing in common. I have no sympathy for you. And then, when that scene with the ghost sketching in Gold Cove, well, hey, the wardrobe gets even better because now we're going to the beach, so it's her bathing costume. And she's doing the dance of the seven, by which we mean 750 veils. Seven tenths. Seven tenths. <laughs> Now she's got this huge, gigantic Titanic hat on, but it's still stupid on her. Mm-hmm. Everyone likes big, a wide-brimmed hat that. in this movie. Yeah. Yes, but she, she can't rock it. She can't do anything. She did not rock that wide-brimmed hat. And as Kenneth, Kenneth sees her coming down the stairs and takes one look at the outfit, and he goes, oh, my, what a colorful outfit. <laughs> it's a colorful outfit. <laughs> to which Bradford said, that was very Southern to him. I'm like, yes, it was, Bradford. <laughs> yes, that's exactly what he was going for. Just so stupid. So stupid. Let's talk about Roddy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Roddy, Roddy, Roddy. I kind of, Roddy, I watch him sometimes, and like in this movie in particular, he's, when, he get, when he got older, his face just got really cute, sad looking all the time. Mm-hmm. It was that little cute, sad expression on his face. A little puppy dog. Like, I wanted a Roddy McDowell. It's like, follow me around, hang out with him. And, and like, yeah. He'd wear a sailor suit and just be able to quip at people. Because mm-hmm. he's good at it, too. And everyone thought he was he's straight. A, is coarseness a substitute for wit? I ask myself. No, no one did. No one did. No one did. Say the fruit. Yes, that's Maggie Smith's best line. First of all, when, when, when she discovers that Hercule Poirot is there, she's not happy about it. She's like... I hope you haven't come here to practice your sleuthing games on my guests. They've all got far too many skeletons in their cupboards to join in with enthusiasm. (laughs) (laughs) And some of But then as soon as the murder happens, she's all concerned about business and scandal, and she's kissing his ass left and right and even goes so far to become this, like, junior detective. She becomes, like, the British Nancy Drew. (laughs) 
the British middle-aged Nancy Drew, and she's hilarious. And she she was she keeps coming up with theories, and the best one she corners Hercule Poirot, and she goes, "Look, I was wrong about Cherchez Femme. Sorry about that, but it's quite obviously Cherchez Fruit. Rexy is the only one unaccounted for." It has been established that Monsieur Brewster was here in Galcove with Mademoiselle Linda at twelve o'clock. Well, that's very inconvenient of him. <laughs> it's a case of Cherchez Lafruit. Yeah, for, for so many gay icons going on, they didn't exactly uh, treat the gay guys so well. No. <laughs> in their characterization, it sort of set us set back the gay movement a little while. But you know what? That's probably exactly what you would have said like, at the time. Exactly. Yeah. When he wasn't around. <laughs> like anyone can act, can act straight with Cole Porter music in the background. Please, please, please. I couldn't even watch it with a straight All face. All of you straight male uh, listeners out there. Both of you. <laughs> I challenge you to listen to and try and walk in a straight line. And not start Charlestoning right away. <laughs> I don't even know what that song I is. Dare you, I dare you to have your, your hands below your elbows. Oh, gosh. So, like, Maggie Smith's delivery of so many lines is just wonderfully delicious. She becomes so silly. Like, she's got a thing going with Kenneth, the husband. Not romantically, but you can tell they have a long-time fondness. For each other and then make an adorable couple. In order to save Kenneth's butt when he's being re- interviewed by Hercule Poirot, she lies. He says he was typing in his room and he can't prove it. So she says, Oh, well, no, I'm sorry to interrupt, but I, 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 I saw him. <laughs> Hercule Poirot says, But madame, you cannot see the chair from the door. And she's like, uh, I saw him in the mirror. <laughs> And then they do this little, he gives this little test. He's like, oh, let me see. And he goes, Hercule Poirot sits at the desk. He says, Mama's Daphne, how many fingers am I holding up? And she looks at Kenneth and with the biggest cow eyes, biggest romantic swoon, like close-up lens with the Vaseline on it, goes, three. <laughs> and then when she gets busted, when he, he changes position like he's typing and she can't see him, she's like, well, that's not fair. You're hiding. <laughs> No, mademoiselle, it is not me who is hiding. It is you who are lying. Busted. Peter Unifstenoff is my Poirot f- mystery. We've hardly talked about him at all. I was just going to say, he's my favorite Poirot. I didn't watch the BBC one, but, you know, of uh, the two movie was great. It was good. Sorry, who? Yeah, David Suchet was fantastic. I'll believe you. But uh, Albert Fenney didn't do much for me. Mm. In Murder on the Orient Express. And that's what I love about this. Beyonce was terrible when she tried it. Beyonce? <laughs> I think just because she's famous, she can play any role. Her, her kill Poirot sucked. Well, her white face was pretty bad. <laughs> Nurse. I have nothing. Nurse. Have, Sorry. Weren't we just talking about that's racist like 30 minutes ago? Well, <laughs> it's, yeah. not, it's not fair. Wasn't that your comment, sir? No. That's just I, fear, I, I fear you suffer from the French obsession. This Belgian obsession. Oh, yes, of course. Uh, yeah, he's delightful in this. And the reason why I like this Agatha Christie, it's one of my favorites of this era, really of any of them, is that it's light and fluffy. The murder is, is mystery itself is brilliant. Mm-hmm. But just the southern, I mean, the summer beach feel and the, the music and the, the dresses and the humor just make it just the happiest murder mystery you're ever likely to see. The sausages. <laughs> Well, this movie oh, oh, isn't taking itself so seriously at all. 
No, it's not. Well, clearly, because everyone's like, oh, she's dead. Oh, well. So, and then she's, um, like, Her on the Orient Express is a great film, but it's grim. There's not a laugh in it. There's not even a smile in it. This is a movie, and it's fun as hell. Mm-hmm. And a lot of them is their Hercule Poirot. Uh, uh, David Finney was humor. Uh, Albert Finney was humorless, but God, he's so funny when he's swimming. Oh yeah, uh, <laughs> he's pretending to swim. He's going for his daily ablutions, as he says, and he's and like he's getting up to his ankles, his ankles, and goes Walking. through the motions that he's swimming. Yes, and then runs out of the water like <laughs> exercise, ah, exercise. I'm and done. then looks around and looks around to see if anybody. And then when he gets caught, like oh, Hokio Peru, Miss Peru, you were swimming. Did you see me? Saw me? No, no, I just saw. Oh, yeah, swimming. Yes, yes, yes. Oh, yes, swimming. And he's also really great at magic tricks. Oh, oh, uh, Linda doesn't think so. Huh. I was going to say. That's a great Linda bitch moment. He makes he makes the makes the mistake of wasting his egg trick on on Linda. I know how you did that. The eggs in your top pocket. I'm not five years old, you know. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> the eggs gonna be up your ass next time, you little bitch. Well, I see just smack her across the face with her bathing cap. <laughs> Do they still make girls wear bathing caps? No, I don't think so. I don't think so either, because I remember back in public pools in the 70s, all girls had to wear bathing caps. Yeah, with a little, little, little plastic flower on the side. Oh, God, no, my mother had an orange one. It was all flowers. It was an embarrassment. I got, even as a child, I'm like, please swim over here. <laughs> <laughs> Big rubber flowers all around her head. Just, oh, God, a lily plant coming this way. Just let me drown. It's something Myra would wear if she could get it over her hair. <laughs> <laughs> oh, don't ever cover that hair. <laughs> but well, I, mean, I thought that the mystery in this was almost once they explain it, I was still like, I don't get what we're saying. I mean, it was really convoluted, so they just didn't think there. No, I mean it's all there. I mean Hercule Poirot is always convoluted, and the reason is he looks like a great detective is that he keeps information from you. That's one of the oh, big yeah. beefs of Agatha Christie readers, particularly about Hercule Poirot, especially if he's saw murdered by death. That's what his whole yeah. Did you ever murder. Oh yeah, uh, that was yes. the accusation. Keep <laughs> keeping important uh, clues under wraps until the last chapter was one of Truman Capote's beefs about bringing them all there. Yep. And that's a big Hercule Poirot thing. There's that point where I referenced earlier where he lists all the clues for Maggie Smith to be able to solve the mystery by herself. If you take into consideration the Nunze guns, the breast of the sea, a bath no in the midst of taking the height of the cliff and your own paper towels. <laughs> and the paper, towels. paper towels, you should be able to solve this yourself. Leaving out like all the information that goes on in between. No, no way you can solve this by yourself. No, you I guessed. I got it right, sort of. But uh, when I saw it in the movie theater, which we'll come back to because there's a story there. But I mean, it's but, the kind of thing that you know, I've seen it enough that it does all make sense. It's just a hell of a lot of coincidences and impeccable timing. Oh yeah. Well, what made me, what it, made me mad about the movie was was that there was one like really important mystery that was never solved. What was that? How did the rabbit die? The, the maggot-infested rabbit that, that Maggie Smith uh, discovers. Yep. And that's got a great stinger on it, too. Dun-dun-dun-dun. When she sees it, it's, yeah, it's, it's gross. And it's, if you look, he, that rabbit is clearly, it's got really funny, like, it looks like a department store toy rabbit. It was. Cut open with ketchup with maggots on it. But uh, I'm, well, I'm sure it was not a real rabbit. Otherwise, I'm worried about the bunny. <laughs> I know who killed the bunny. Nobody ever, nobody ever saws who kills the bunny. 
I think the bunny actually strangled Marlena Marshall and then committed Harry Carey out of guilt. It was it was hiding one of Myra Gardner's powder puff outfits that leaked up and killed her, like in Monty Python's The Holy Grail. Yes, it told totally, teeth. And it took the samurai sword that was hidden in, underneath Christina Redfern's voluminous. <laughs> No, Linda killed the bunny. Yes. Linda killed Elena Marshall, and she framed someone else for it. Linda did everything. The bunny killed Born himself after everything. Christine and Linda whined at it for long enough. <laughs> he killed himself yep. with, with flesh-eating maggots. Linda petted it. It's like, I must die. There's <laughs> nothing left for me. She sucked the life out of it with her touch. <laughs> and for a split second... Her outfit almost turned blue, <laughs> but it wasn't enough. <laughs> <laughs> okay, no, 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 my God, we're so retarded. All right, no, no, Doug, you had an interesting idea. Oh yeah, up. I mean, for the listeners, you know, being this is like it's a horror podcast. Are we doing a show? Are there listeners? <laughs> I hope so. But I'm having a great time with you guys. Okay, good. Just the two of us and a bunny. Um, so what if we combine Evil Dead of the Sun Doug. with Evil Dead? Three of us, Doug. What? Sorry. There are three of us, Doug. That was rude. I like what did Linda. I say? You, you just totally Linda Dread. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's, it's, totally it's just like when Diana Riggs sent her to bed early at the cocktail party. I didn't say me and two others. What did I say? You said the two of us. There are three of us. Maybe two of you? <laughs> There's no way out. No way Forget out. Get it. No Forget it. Out. <laughs> okay. So sorry. I talked over your brilliant idea because you're such a hussy. Wouldn't it be wonderful if you edited that part out and then I could try and say it again? That'd be awesome. I might. I might put that in as an extra because it might have been pretty funny. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a child, you know. <laughs> <laughs> because Trey got barbecue tonight and I didn't. He's dead I'm to a, me. He's I'm dead a, as a maggot infested bunny. <laughs> I'm a very short 52-year-old spinster. <laughs> <laughs> With a really shitty haircut. Oh. <laughs> In my wig. <laughs> At the start of a brilliant career. I guess, right, you learn from the best of the business on that set. That's the best you can come up with. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Hey, Doug, what's that great idea you were talking about? Well, the great idea would be to stab Linda with a pencil. And the way to do that is by combining Evil Under the Sun with the Evil Dead. Oh, so it's Evil Dead Under the Sun. Evil Dead Under the Sun. Brilliant! That would be funny. Brilliant! It's already Linda, and you can stab her with a pencil. In fact, everyone can get stabbed with a pencil. Okay. Okay, but, 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 I, but okay. All right, so let's say uh, Bruce Campbell comes to a lovely island from a- I, I, In the Hercule Poirot role. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I can't say his name, so just pretend I'm saying it right every time. <laughs> All right, so he, he's playing the role of Hercule Poirot. <laughs> Getting seasick on a boat, but he still looks awesome while doing it. Naturally, right. when he has to tell someone, "My name's Hokio Poirot." Puck your lips as though you're about to kiss my ass. About to bestow <laughs> a kiss to my ass. <laughs> so then he gets on the island. Uh, all the guests are there, and they go to sign the book, the ledger. And then, by accident, Maggie Smith's character doesn't take out the the sign-in ledger. She tells <gasps> out what's the name of that book? The Necronomicon. Necronomicon. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and nobody notices that they're signing a book that's, that's bound in human flesh and, and inked in human blood because, hey, it's Tyrania. Anything goes. 
I do believe that they do these kind of books on the continent. <laughs> oh, sure they do. My cousin. Jeremy Spermanheimer. Brought one home from the Vatican. I was there. Don't forget, I was there. <laughs> My cousin Sally Snapsnatch had one of these when she went to India. <laughs> when she was possessed by demons. <laughs> it's just, she just had a tapeworm, but we all thought it was a demon. <laughs> she disemboweled the porter. We couldn't get food for a week. It was terrible. <laughs> I was so mad I could have eaten the bunny. <laughs> <laughs> a bunny possessed by maggots. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! See, I remember now that we—that was your original idea, and then it mutated, and then it mutated. That instead of Elena getting the Marshall script for "It's Not Right" and "It's Not Fair," <laughs> exactly, she got the wrong. She got the wrong script. In no, wait, no, wait, that was it. Wasn't it. Wasn't she got the wrong script. It was that the writers, that the uh, the lyricists, and the composers, they actually found the Necronomicon and had not, they read it, but they didn't read the words out loud, but they used it to make a song. Exactly. Such was snappy Cole Parter tune, but <laughs> when we release flesh, <laughs> you're the top. You're dead by dawn. <laughs> A dead little demon. I'll swallow your soul <laughs> at midnight at the Empire State Building, <laughs> which you're the top of. <laughs> So now we have musical demons. <laughs> uh, naturally. Naturally. They were fan-kicking people to death, and then they get possessed. Linda actually got stabbed by a pencil. <laughs> it's totally unrelated. Can Linda sing Johnny One Note? <laughs> but Linda even screamed with a pout. <laughs> no, they're not even interested in her. She's like, what can I be possessed? <laughs> Nobody ever possesses me. <laughs> Well, and also, of course, Christine went to Redford and she's sitting there amongst the topiaries feeling sorry for herself. Then she can get raped by a tree. <laughs> oh, yes. There you go. That would have that would have shut her up. <laughs> Myra. Oh, That's yeah. Funny. There's a demon eating my arm. Stop <laughs> it. Oh, Dell. Get What's this true? demon off of me. That's true, because if it was if it was evil dead under the sun, too. Then like the, like, the part, like the part where all like the, the, the deer heads and stuff came alive and were bagging. Like her powder puff coat could have been possessed with the bunny spear. <laughs> well, I think the Myra could be, could be possessed and no one would know the difference. That's true. Because <laughs> demons would be a lot better if they weren't just like, ah, if they just had like cutting little quips, little oh, gutters. Right. Well, you know, sure. is she a demon Wait. or is she just an ugly American? <laughs> She's both. Yes. She's also a floor wax and a dessert topping, but that's not the problem. <laughs> <laughs> no, wait. What was I going to say? Oh, God, what was I going to say? Demon. Oh, no, because there's a part in Evil Dead. There's that line where the girl totally overacts. And you'll know the line. Doug won't know what he's talking about because he totally make it. He only got the plot of Evil Dead off of Wikipedia because he's too Because I can't watch it. I have no aesthetic distance. <laughs> where she goes, her polka dots. What happened to her polka dots? What happened to her polka dots? 
And of course, Elena being the hornet she is, she's the one who gets raped by a tree. She's like, yeah, she's like, she's waiting. <laughs> I've been staked out here in this topiary area all day. Well, that's Christine, yeah. <laughs> I thought she did get raped by the tree. Because that's the only action she's going to get on this. I'm raped by the trees, but they don't live. Oh, wait, that's not Cole Porter. Get no, it's not. Oh, gay card. Oh. For- it's still a musical. Clint Eastwood sang that song. Sang his loose term. So are you. But that's not the point. <laughs> May you die not be invested And then somehow, then somehow, I mean, Diana Riggs' fabulous baseball diamond, which has been missing this whole time, shows <laughs> or, up. Can and, Evil Dead Muppet Caper under the sun now? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, rolling paper towels. Why do I keep making Lucille sound like Carol Channing? <laughs> does sound like Carol Channing. Why Channing. We should be in the movie. <laughs> I brought some raspberries. <laughs> Berries and paper towels. <laughs> That's the only Carol Channing line I know. Thanks for Paul. <laughs> Thanks for playing. <laughs> Oh, okay, so no, what, what movie are we talking about now? Yeah, Fall of them. What? We're talking about every movie ever made. <laughs> and then Gene Wilder comes riding in on Blazing <laughs> for Blazing Saddles. Oh, yes, sure, okay. And they're all having their cocktails around a campfire scene. <laughs> <laughs> that's when they all sing the French mistake. Ooh la, that's how they end it. <laughs> and everything's going great. <laughs> <laughs> Until Matt Smith farts a polka dots off. By <laughs> See, Glee thinks they have the the monopoly on mashups, but we're doing much better than them. <laughs> yeah. Agatha Christie and the Necronomicon. <laughs> and unfortunately, Linda had, Linda had already been sent to bed, so she had to suck up that one. <laughs> oh, Dicky Poo. <laughs> That's why her poo's so tickety. Oh. <laughs> she says that a few times. She's like, is everything tickety poo? But she says it all petulantly. Is everything all tickety poo? Tickety poo is what you get when you fart poke down. She's got also one of my favorite lines towards the end when. You know, the mystery solved, but actually, Hercule Perot doesn't have the proof. He's come up with his theory, but he doesn't have a proof, so everyone is now free to leave. Mm-hmm. And Maggie Smith's telling this to Mr. Perot. She's like, well, so-and-so's ready to go. They've already hollered the boat. And the gardeners are anxious to leave as well. And quite frankly, I don't blame them. This place has been like a morgue. Oh, oh sorry. sorry. <laughs> <laughs> you know damn well what you said. You know damn well what you said. And so is the other character who said... Your ensemble does nothing for you. Goodbye. <laughs> gay movie got to end with a big gay bitch clip. <laughs> bitch mm-hmm. clip. Mike, you just threw shade. Mm-hmm. And we're back to Honey Mahogany. That's good. There would have yeah. been less evil under the sun if there was more shade on the island. Instead of- <laughs> <laughs> Don't you ever or if, like RuPaul's Drag Race, they can like, all turn to the camera and be like, I think that she's... <laughs> <laughs> I 
They think I'm just as good that silly cow made it and I didn't. Like Celadoro breakfast treat. And all I wanted to do is smell the butter on her. Toaster. Well, I want to see him. Um, oh, God. I, uh, Latrice Royal walk out with a big brimmed hat. The shade yes. of it all. <laughs> oh, the shade. The shade of it all. The shade of it all. I want Latrice Royale in every possible movie and TV show. Wait, wait. Have, have Latrice as Hercule Poirot. <laughs> oh, no. What are you doing? Maybe I don't have now. Come on, I ain't got time for that. I'm stuck on this island with a bunch of crazy white people. (laughs) (laughs) Bitch, Linda, that was a good trick. Linda, we got girl, we gotta give you a makeover stat. (laughs) Just peel the baby suit off that dead bitch. She don't need it no more. Come on, come on. Oh, that was Bradford's. Uh, When they find the the corpse of Diana Rigg, she's laid out on the beach and she's wearing her big. Red Chinese hat. To which Bradford said, "Oh, you can't. You couldn't be able to do stuff like that no more. Wearing a hat over face. Wearing a hat like that when your suntan is just gonna give you waffle face." <laughs> isn't that isn't that a breakfast chain down south? It might be, but <laughs> or it sounds like some sort of condition. You know, well, waffle face didn't you know have its first outbreak till 1963, so they were safe back then. You didn't need a face condom to wear a, a diamond face condom to wear. <laughs> well, she did have a diamond face hat. condom earlier, so. That's right. <laughs> Listen, this is a big break. Entrepreneur, get on it. If people are vajazzling, we can have diamond condoms, okay? Ow. If they can cut glass, they can hit your G-spot, all right? Encrusted for her pleasure? No. <laughs> Encrusted is a terrible word to use in that situation. <laughs> Oh my God! Okay, so um, <laughs> I think we've done it, haven't we? Oh yeah. <laughs> I think we've talked about the movie too, but I think we've done it. <laughs> so if you know, so you have a good ten-minute segment. Oh, we had that seven-hour show. So Trey, final thoughts. This movie's great. I didn't realize till a couple years ago how gay and camp it was. It was. Oh, it's. Mm-hmm. It was wonderful. Mm-hmm. Uh, my final thought is on Doug. Doug, I'm saying to this you right now, if uh, Hedda Lennis ever does this on her Thursday night things, you know what I'm oh, talking yeah. about? That interactive thing she does, we are so there. And we're dressing up. <laughs> <laughs> I can't Polka afford dots for everyone. Patrick. <laughs> what? What? You cut out, Doug. I didn't hear you. I can't afford those hats. <laughs> well, you know, the Linda costume is always available. <laughs> No, I got I got to be Sylvia Miles, so I'm gonna have to do a couple more nights dancing on the tables at the character men's bar. <laughs> Shake it, Patty. Give me some of that. Give me some of that kosher. <laughs> kosher tuck have it. A sausage there. Die, 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 die. die, die save somebody die, die. just do a speedo and be Patrick Redfern. Exactly. Everybody wants a Patrick Redfern in their forties. <laughs> Thank you. Especially, especially, especially if she airs it in like December. That would be fun. <laughs> more terrifying than a maggot-infested bunny. Sure, <laughs> that nobody cared about. Obviously, we did. Well, we did. That'll be the best. Bunny has some friends on this on this podcast. We're on the island of maggot bunnies. 
Okay, so Doug, your final thoughts. Poor Bunny. <laughs> Poor Bunny. Oh, that reminds Please, me. Bunny, you're on my island. Go ahead. Well, gra- oh, no. No, no, no. Bunny. <laughs> No, no, please. Now it's a whole other thing. <laughs> this is a whole other thing now. What's on this island in on the last minute? Trey has no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> Two different worlds. Dead bunny, who will my love be? Dead Never bunny, meant don't me. come around here. The actors. Rebel. The bunnies reek. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, you don't throw that in at the last minute. That's evil. You are evil. But no, I remember talking about the bunny thing and how I seem to remember. Right. I remember when I saw this in the movie theater. We're not done, kid. I saw this in the movie theater. Mama's got a second floor. wind. <laughs> <laughs> Buckle in, bitch. <laughs> it's going to be a bumping night. Not cleared for landing yet. So we're uh, I went to see at the movie theater at the at the floral bar movie theater, which is one of those oldie timey movie theaters with a balcony and really fancy and used to be a stage. Of course they tore it down and make it a you know something stupid, but that's not the point right now. But I went to see it there, it just helped with the whole mood. And I went because I love murder mysteries. And you know, you don't go to the movies by yourself, even when you're eleven. So now there were only a couple of kids on the block that I was deemed worthy to play with just because of age. Everybody was either a lot older or a lot younger. Even the ones that were in my age bracket were two years older or two years younger. And when you're 11, those two years might as well be two decades. Mm -hmm. You know, you don't want to be seen with these people. So I had to go to the movie with Maureen Slevin. Who? Maureen Slevin. Okay. Is she here? Is she here? Is she listening? I think it's Maureen Slutter. (laughs) (laughs) No, that's, no. that's one of Myra's cousins. That's, 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 yes, right. It's one of those cousins. The Maureen Slevin. And she was two years younger. And God help me, even for two years younger, she was stupid. And she was part of the whole Slevin sister clan. <laughs> there were five Slevin sisters. Each alike in dignity. I have five daughters, yes. <laughs> and all of them are stupid. <laughs> They didn't get smarter as they got older. They just changed shapes. And Could you call them a gaggle of Slevins? I don't know what you call Miss Levin of Slevins. That's kind of end of the vernacular. Oh, here comes the Slevin. It's not being stupid. This is the important part, and this is the visual thing. But Brad knows this one's I'll do it around the house sometime. You know, this was the late seventies, early eighties, and they were hot. They always shut up. <laughs> Fuck you. They always wore knee socks. They went to Catholic school too with me. So even at school, they always wore knee socks. And at school, they were the little blue ones. Navy blue ones, but aside from that, they were the gym socks with the stripes, you know, the, the two stripes of some primary color. For some reason, none of the girls in this family were able to keep their socks up <laughs> for more than one or two steps at a time. And for some reason, they every time they fell down, they felt the need, all five of them, to immediately pull the sock up. So to watch them walk, was like, are they okay? Are they having a seizure? What's happening? So be like, step, step, sock, step, step, sock, sock, step, step, sock, sock, step, step, sock. They were late for everything. I think I saw them moving single ladies. <laughs> step, step, sock, step, step, sock, step, now step, oh, sock, step, step, sock. Now facing away from the mirror. But- <laughs> <laughs> No, it was so stupid. My mother was so stupid. We were at church once, and the whole, what'd you call them? Gaggle of Slevins were coming across. 
and I see all five of them doing this together. But at you know, random times, like this bobbling, it was this weird, like, it was this weird mechanical type thing coming back, at you. Back, like, back, sock, back. Step, sock, stock, sock, step, step, sock, sock, stock, step, step, sock. All around. My mother just goes, Jesus Christ, I should buy that family a bag of rubber bands. <laughs> <laughs> That was that was the slap and trademark stupidity and droopy socks. <laughs> but anyway, I saw it with her. I guessed it. I was close at the last minute, just before he announced who it was. I was like, "It was her," and I was right. I felt really good about myself. And then the whole walk home, which was long, I had to explain everything to Maureen Slevin. <laughs> and I just remember being, "Why don't I even take you? Why do I even take you? I'm glad I didn't pay for you." <laughs> Give my two fifty back because that's what it cost back then. Those were the days. Great story, Pat. Fascinating. Why are we shit up? <laughs> oh my god! Now trading. Yes. You don't. You do realize now that you have guested most out of anyone in the world on Scream Queens. I'm sorry, listeners. <laughs> no, oh, no I'm, I'm, I'm kidding. I'm going to offer you a special tiara for the occasion. Oh, and since you're going to be sticky about it, I'll, oh, just, no, I'll take it. No, too late now. Oh, no, 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 it's my, it's my tiara, it's bitch. It's my own rule just because it's Pride Month and I'm in a good mood and I'm kind of high from lack of oxygen from laughing so hard. Forget it. Oh, I'm sorry. You can't own your awesomeness, then you can just suck it. She's getting, I'm not she's a child, a you know. Maggot bunny on his head. You can suck a maggot bunny. Okay. Between the sheets. <laughs> <laughs> now, Doug, you. What was that? What? Somebody. Did somebody have bangle bracelets on? What was that? It's my dog. Okay. <laughs> sure, it was. <laughs> <laughs> a diamond crusted dog. <laughs> I've got diamond crusted condom ready. It's my tennis bracelet. Good puppy. Oh no 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 no. Let Teddy get the peanut butter first. Ew! Ew! Nurse! Nurse! Ow! Nurse! Sorry. No! Okay, so Doug... Nurse was close to that on the Tonys, though. I was going to say, you're a super-duper actor guy. Do you have any gigs coming up that you want to plug? Say that again? What am I plugging? For the diamond-crusted what? You're plugging your gigs. Sure. Uh, I'm going to be, well, it might be too soon. On the 17th, I'm going to be working with the transport group on Once Upon a Mattress with Jackie Hoffman as Winifred, which is awesome. She's a pig. I love her. Oh, she's delicious. Are you the pee? (laughs) So it's that kind of musical. (laughs) I'm the pee. (laughs) Cuckoo-a-choo. Did you see me, me, honey? I was the pee. (laughs) <laughs> it's the story of the princess and the paid tray. That's why uh, we're talking. I, I, I figured. They need to do a horror movie of that with like a man eating pee. <laughs> <laughs> it, it would be like physics from the dark. Okay, <laughs> but you know what? But you know what? It's got to be that noise. I'm gonna like keep that noise when we make the movie. It's just gonna be that sampled over and over. Because <laughs> that's exactly what a man eating pee would sound like. <laughs> it ate every other princess. I'd rather a man eating <laughs> pee than a pee eating man. <laughs> What? Shut up. I'm sorry. That's plugging. <laughs> <laughs> but you got some summer stock stuff. You're going up there. Yeah, I'm going away to um, a company member of the Barnstormers for 13, um, for 13 seasons. And where and are they located? Say again? What, what part of the country are they in? In Tamworth, New Hampshire. New Hampshire. So if I got any hey, new England listeners, go see Doug. One of the shows I'm doing is Agatha Christie's The Unexpected Guest. Da-ba-bum. 
And it's a bunny, right? Don't really tell him Jenna. <laughs> killed it. Which one of you sons of bitches killed my mother? My maggot bunny. Yes. The maggot bunny. <laughs> Did you, you, got, you got that, track? I got that. Lace. Lace. That, that was a really obscure 1980s miniseries. Reference. And I got it. Help Thank you. Out. What was it? Lace. Oh, Phoebe Cates. Phoebe Cates. Phoebe Cates. The whole, her big line that made big news was the first time somebody said it on TV. It made big news. It was her trying to find out who her mother was, but not in a good way. Because oh, her mother had done something awful, and she gathered all the suspects together, and at the end she goes, all right, which one of you bitches is my mother? And oh, when course, I was a, that was a big came, deal. This came out when I was in middle school on TV, and I remember I had this one friend who was this, I don't know at the time, but just a flamingly gay boy, Frank, and I remember he would just sit there, and we would talk about it during lunch, and he would just, just, just like you say, like, and she says, which one of you bitches is my mother? And no one knew he was gay. <laughs> it's like even uh, then. Except like, for you. Except, except for you for with your, and your Annie lunchbox. Yeah. You know, yeah. <laughs> Doug yeah. And Trey had an Annie lunchbox. He confessed it on the show. Yes, I did. Trey, yeah. my heart just <laughs> grew three sizes for you. <laughs> 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 so, um, okay. So we're running really long. So, Doug, is there a website that they can go and check out? You know, if they want to come see you in New Hampshire at the Barnstormers. Sure, you can check out DougShapiro.com. It's all there. It's all there, and it really is all there. Doug's got lots of stuff to look at. There is Doug Tunes. You can become an FOD. Yep, a friend of friend Doug. Doug. And you can check out what he does over at the Savvy Actor. Could you quickly run through what that's all about? Could you give me yes. an elevator? Savvy please? Actor, um, we help actors to run their careers by applying business principles to it. So you know what your brand is, what you sell, and how to get work that way. Um, and actually, there's a weekend coming up on the 22nd and 23rd of June. So uh, you're going to have 17 and a half hours with me. Cricket. <laughs> Don't all jump to your computers at once. So for my listeners in the New York area, for my listeners, I've talked so much, my lips are falling off. He's speechless. He's so excited. I am so excited. For listeners in the New York area who are in the arts, I've taken the weekend. It is an incredible, mind-blowing thing, and I highly recommend it. And it's one of the reasons this podcast is here, and it's the reason why I keep getting nominated for podcast awards, because I follow a lot of what they say. I applied it to many, many things in my life, and it's made a huge change. Thanks, kitten. I now have an arm growing out of my back. I don't know how that happened, but you know now that's part of my brand. Is is it your cat? No, I'm just saying you made a huge change with me, and I went with a, an arm sprouted <laughs> out of my back. It just really didn't work. <laughs> so there's a cat here. Tyler Puss has been sitting here on the keyboard the whole time because cats love podcasting. Anyone play the role of the maggot bunny? No, he will <laughs> not. No, he will not. He's so fat to play the island. <laughs> And Brad's ass could be the new day gun. Wow, good luck with that after you get off the podcast. It goes off at noon every day? No, it goes, you know. It's very loud, is what I'm saying. <laughs> well, as all the listeners know, because he's farted directly into the microphone while I'm recording on several occasions. Am I right, Trey? Yes, he has. Yes, he has. That's why we keep it classy here. That's why he'll never be savvy. Savvy people don't do that. Well, actually, when he did that, he said, don't blame me. It's my brand. <laughs> okay well, gentlemen you know, some movies need it. blazing saddles you would have gotten apart <laughs> play to your strengths baby no, it would have gotten cut the whole scene would have gotten cut they'd be like too much too much too much getting an x rating no 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 it's gotta go it's too intense that's he's, he's sticking with it 
Uh, don't say shtick and stick <laughs> with farts. I don't want anything sticking with farts. That's terrible. Okay, a gentlemen. Stick, stick and a steak. <laughs> a steak, a stick, and a shtick. What was the cowbernet? <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, more obscure references. <laughs> <laughs> This is a job for Captain Random. Now, I'd just like to let you know, listeners, that I've been trying to wrap this up for 10 minutes. <laughs> How's that going? Not so well. That was effectively I've been editing this, Patrick. Rabbit. Oh, actually, this is fine. Actually, it's been fairly coherent. The other one was completely random. Well, we did have an extra guest. I'm sorry. Uh, Sean's, uh, sorry, Doug's husband had joined us last time, and unfortunately, he was not able to join us, join us this time because you guys would have been really excited because Sean is married to Sean Puffy Combs. <laughs> oh? Hmm? He did. Isn't that his name, Sean Combs? Yes. Well, no, Sean Coles. Oh, Sean Coles. <laughs> oh, okay. Sean, Sean, Sean Combs. My, my listeners are howling. Sean Combs is P. Diddy's real name. Right. Yeah, I'm sorry. The big question mark over my head just fell on the ground. I have to sweep it up right now. <laughs> Patrick, you're such a Linda. You know what? I'm just going to take it out and like add it in riotous applause. So, (laughs) (laughs) screams of again, again. (laughs) Wait, my side, my side. Ow! It's die again. Die again. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, guys, that got to call a wrap on this. This has been amazing. (laughs) Listeners, I hope you've survived this long because this this segment in itself was a deadly vacation. Thank you, Trey, for joining us again. Thank you, Doug, for joining me for the first time. I hope it is not the last. I love you both more than I love somebody else's luggage. And happy Pride. Love you, mean it. Love you. you do. I know. Don't go changing. Music for tonight's show, unless otherwise specified, has been written by Sam Haynes. You can find all of his music at www.bandcamp.com. Bitches! <laughs> Ew.